You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the victory. Hey, Purpose Chasers, welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And today we have in the guest chair, Charlene Tobaney. Charlene is a chartered accountant by profession with over 20 years of experience. She has been consumer debt free for 10 plus years and strongly believes that everyone should be financially literate and has the ability to experience some measure of financial freedom. Her passion for personal finance was birthed out of her own debt-free journey. Her personal experience, coupled with her professional background as a chartered accountant, led her to personal finance coaching, where she helps female Christian professionals and solopreneurs build confidence with their money, build excellent money habits, and tap into their own version of financial freedom. Let's welcome Charlene to the podcast. Charlene, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Shante. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here, and I'm so excited to get into the topic of finances. But before we get there, I would love for you to tell us a fun fact about you that is not in your bio. (laughs) So I grew up on an island. I grew up on the beautiful island of Jamaica, and I moved to another island, the Cayman Islands, almost 14 years ago. And even though I am an island girl, I cannot swim. (laughs) (laughs) So I am also an island girl. So my mom is actually Jamaican and I grew up, I was born in the island of Bermuda and I grew up in the island of Bermuda. That's where I currently live. So we have that in common. I love it. (laughs) Okay. So we heard in your bio that you went from a chartered accountant to a personal financial coach. What led you to this career path? So interestingly enough, I'm still doing both. (laughs) So it has not been a journey of either or. It has been a journey of and. It's as if God said to me, Charlene, you are an accountant with a very stressful job, but I'm going to add something else to your plate. And I ran from it for many years because I knew that it would require way more of me that I wasn't willing to give at the time. But essentially, my journey to being a financial coach was formed out of my own money struggles. I went to college, studied accounting, landed a good job straight out of college. I was a corporate girl. Had it on the surface, looked like I had it all together. But the reality was I was broke. I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was anxious about money, always stressed about money, was always in a situation where my paycheck would run out two to three weeks after getting paid, had to rely on the credit card to get me through the month, had to borrow money from other institutions to to survive. And it all came to a head one day in 2010 when the bank left me with less than $100 on payday. That was my rock bottom moment. That was when I 
had to face the reality that even though I was this wonderful corporate woman who looked like she had it all together, the reality was I needed to get my financial situation together because if I continued along that path, I would essentially become bankrupt. So fast forward to 15 months after studying everything that I could get my hands on as it related to personal finance literature, I pulled myself out of the whole of 22,000 US dollars worth of debt. And I have never looked back since. I've never been in a situation where I've owed for any consumer debt, no car loans, no personal loans, no unsecured loans, none of that. And that has been my story for over 10 years now. Along my path of studying everything personal finance, I developed this passion for the topic. I developed a deep drive to learn all that I could about money because I realized that my story was not necessarily unique. It's just that others didn't talk about it. There were several other women in corporate and who were in the church as well who struggled with money. So after running from my purpose for about eight years, I decided to fully lean into it in 2020 and have declared myself as a money coach. I've helped several women to get out of the quagmire of living paycheck to paycheck, of having anxiety over money, of not having the confidence to manage their money on their own. And I must say it has been the hardest, but yet the most rewarding thing I've ever done with my life. Wow, that is an amazing story. And I love that you are doing both. You are still a chartered accountant and a financial coach. And I love that God will bring us through a journey, a learning journey, uh, not just for us, but also to help other people. Once we get to a certain place, we're able to help other people and bring them through. Something that I was listening to, I want to say, I don't even know if it was yesterday or earlier this week, but it was saying that financial breakthrough is a ministry because a lot of people and a lot of Christian people and a lot of Christian women find themselves having that good paying job, but still being in financial bondage because they don't understand how to use money or how to make their money work for them. So I'm really interested to see because you said that, you know, you help women with their anxiety over money so that they can have confidence that they can handle their money themselves. So I want to I want to know what you see when you're when you look out into your community. How do you see a lot of Christian women handling their money? Is it is it good? Is it bad? Is it a little bit in between? What are you seeing? Sadly, it it's bad. <laughs> we cut to the chase. It it's bad. And but the issue is not a lack of desire, it's a lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. People can't do what they don't know. Financial literacy is not taught in our schools, it's not taught in our homes, it's not taught in our churches. So nobody knows what they're doing. And it plays out in the finances, it plays out in the situation of you getting a salary increase and have nothing to show for it at the end of the month or the end of the year. It's you setting the, the same financial goals year in, year out, decade in, decade out with no movement, no progress, no traction. And it's simply because people just don't know what to do. So I have seen so many women, I've spoken to probably over 100 women at this point 
who simply just want to know what to do? How can they get rid of the, the anxiety and the angst and the, the stress that comes with not knowing what to do with their money? And when I break it down and show them step-by-step step what to do, it's it's like a night and day situation. I've seen marriages improved. I've seen women gone on to earn way more money than they have ever earned in their life. I've seen them gone on gone on to launch businesses. I've seen them gone on to become this confident woman because they now know that no matter how much money comes in their hand, they will be able to manage it, to steward it, and to actually have what to show for it at the end of the day. Wow, wow. I think that is super important. And you really said something there. You said financial literacy isn't taught in our schools, it's not taught in our homes, and it's not taught in our churches. And I think that is just, that has always sort of been a mind boggle for me. And I think I didn't really notice this, this, this lack until I got married. So one thing I noticed about the, the, especially the community for people of color, financial literacy really isn't in the homes. Now, I didn't really notice that until I got married. And my husband, although he is a man of color, financial literacy was taught in his home. It was taught in his school. Mm -hmm. So certain things he says to like when we were dating, to him, it was just common sense. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, how how is this common sense? And he's like, I don't understand. Like, he was telling me that while he was in school, one of his teachers said, you know, your rent should never be more or your mortgage should never be more than a third of your salary. Mm -hmm. And it stuck with him and he lived by that. And he was able to learn so much and make um, such good investments that by the time we met and he was um, 29, he had already bought two homes. Mm. And I'm like, how, how did you learn that? And I think it's really important. That's why I really like to talk about this topic here on the podcast. And thank God he's teaching me. And I have a really good friend whose husband is the same way and he's teaching her and we're learning together. But I wanted to make sure that this topic is readily available for the purpose chasers who listen to this podcast and the wider community, because financial literacy is so important. And I think, I think it is the job of us as, as the next generation to make sure that we learn these things so that we can teach our children what to do. So they don't find themselves in the same situations as we did when we got to a certain age. But I also really would love to see financial literacy taught in the church. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, I feel like, you know, you, what's the saying? You can lead a man to water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah. Something, something along those lines. But basically you can give somebody and you can have a giving ministry where you give somebody this and you give somebody that and you may give somebody money or pay somebody's bill. But if you never teach them what to do with their money or how to be a good employee or how to have like, you know, savings, how to get a job, how to keep it, the whole person, then we can't expect our communities to make any substantial changes. In my opinion, we have to look out for the whole person. What What are your thoughts on that? 100% agree. And when I was along my debt freedom journey, I, at that point, my relationship with God had transformed. So I grew up in church, but it was more of a ticking all the right boxes kind of thing. 
you know, it was not until I was in my 20s that I developed a relationship with God. And I started reading the Bible for myself, not because I had to. I started actually searching and combing through scriptures for myself. So when I was on my debt freedom journey and started reading the Bible and the thought came to me to look and see what the Bible had to say about money. To my surprise, the Bible covers money more than any other topic. There are over 2,300 verses in the Bible about money. And I remember being, let's call it righteously angry because I felt that the church had done me a disservice. Here I was, a child growing up in church, teenage, adult, and have not been taught that I didn't have to get into this whole financial mess, right, if I had followed the biblical principles. And it's one of the reasons I have become so passionate about the topic. There are many financial and money coaches out there, but I am more passionate about it from a biblical lens because the Bible has all the answers. It's a perfect manual. It's a perfect manuscript. And all we need to do is follow it. I got so angry. And to this day, I still get angry because every time you go to church, you hear about sow a seed or pay your tithes or give your offering. (laughs) And the other one is don't love money. And I'm like, there is so much more in the Bible about money. You can talk about the importance of having an emergency fund because that's in Genesis with Joseph in Egypt. You can talk about the importance of having a plan or a budget. Jesus talked about that in St. Luke chapter 14. We can talk about the fact that having wealth, real wealth, and I'm talking about money, is not a sin for the child of God because in 1 Timothy 6, Paul talks about how those who are rich in this world, they should not be arrogant with their money. They should not see their money as something to set them apart from others. They should use that wealth to help others in their community and use it to glorify God. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the reasons I am so passionate about this topic because Christians don't need to struggle with money. You really hit the nail on the head there. Um, Because when I was thinking about it and you said it, when we think about biblical principles relating to money that is usually taught in a church, it is, you must tithe. You know, it's time to plant a seed. Let's pay our offering. And remember, money is the root of all evil. Even though that's not quite the the, the scripture, the scripture says for the love of money Mm -hmm. is the root of all evil. Loving money, not having money, loving money. And that's two different things. And I think it's very important because one thing that I feel like I noticed because biblical principles aren't taught in its entirety when it comes down to maybe, you know, a prophet coming to the church and everybody is getting up to sow thousand dollar seeds and, 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 and more than that, they are not, they're moving off of emotion rather than the leadership or the unction of the Holy spirit, which leads them to give in a space of lack when it's not what God would have from them. I'm not saying that God won't say to you to give your last $5 to somebody else for a blessing. I'm not saying that. 
What I'm saying is we have to be certain that God is talking, not that emotions are moving because when we plant seeds in shallow ground, they will not take root, right? And then you have just wasted your money. Mm -hmm. You were better off taking that thousand dollar seed and buying lunch for the next 50 homeless people you come across. (laughs) Or investing it in in getting help from, from an expert. Exactly. To manage your money better. Exactly. Exactly. So we have to actually, I I think it's so important to know the biblical principles, but also to pray and ask God what he would have us to do with his money, technically, because it is his money. We are just stewards over them. And we want to be good stewards over the money that God has given us. So why do you think that the the entire biblical principles aren't frequently talked about. Because as I mentioned before, people just don't know what they don't know. Mm. <laughs> so if someone doesn't, because when I, when I went through my phase of being angry about the whole thing, when I took the time to analyze it, I realized that someone can't teach me what they have no idea about. And if their eyes haven't has have not been opened to what the scripture has to say about money, then they can't come on the pulpit or lead a, a Bible study about the topic. So I believe that it has to start with knowledge, with information, and being open to changing perspective. Because there's a whole lot of unlearning that many of us have have to undergo in order to embrace the concept and embrace the idea that having wealth as a child of God is okay. So it has to start with being open, being willing, being able to absorb what the scripture has to say, and then being in a place and having the desire to actually implement it. Because knowing is one thing, implementing it is a whole other ballgame. I, I I completely agree. And you, you said that there is su- such unlearning that we need to do. What are some of the financial strongholds that we hold on to that you believe that we have to let go? Um, you said one earlier, you said, you know, the, that money is the root of all evil when that is not the case. What are other financial strongholds that we may be walking around with carrying, um, you know, saying to ourselves that are really holding us back from actually living the financial freedom that God would have us to live? Another one is that we don't deserve wealth, that we are, we are unworthy of living a comfortable life. Another one is thinking that managing money or having money is reserved for a certain set of people, a certain people of a certain class or a certain race, not realizing that the principles of money, it does not care whether you're black, you're white, whether you're rich or you're poor. It's just a matter of applying the principles and the concepts and doing it consistently. The third thing that I would think that we need to let go of and that has us bound is that managing money is complicated. It's anything but. The the problem is we have a whole lot of emotional baggage that makes money muddy. But the true principles of handling money itself, it's very straightforward. It's as simple as 
trying to expand the gap between what you earn and what you spend, trying to make that gap as wide as possible and doing something smart with the difference. That's it. So it's not complicated. It's not that we are unworthy of it. We all deserve to have wealth. We just need to get that mindset right, get that mindset in the place that yes, we deserve it. Yes, we can manage it no matter what comes our way. And it's not only for a certain set of people. Yeah, I I love that. We all deserve to have wealth. It's not just for a certain set of people. That is definitely something that if you're listening, you need to write down somewhere, let it stick out in your mind that wealth is for everyone. God has made that available to all of us. We just need to learn the correct biblical principles so that we can know what to do so that we can move forward in the right direction. So what are what are some of your tips, Charlene, for learning biblical principles and actually putting them into action? Start with the Bible. <laughs> Start reading the Bible. It's as simple as that. And then I would add to that, asking the Holy Spirit to bring you revelation as you read. Because when you do that, you're going to start seeing scripture in a whole different lens. You're got, your, your mind is going to be open to the fact that God wants you to be wealthy. That And, and wealth, I must say, is not about you get into the place where you no longer depend on God. It should be anything but the more wealthy you become is the more you should depend on God. Because I believe one of the reasons scripture talks so much about money is because it can lead to a whole lot of social ills. It can lead to envy and greed, jealousy, discontentment. So you have to depend and keep depending on God the more you, you get wealth, the more you have more money. But get into the place where you can read scripture, understand that it's okay to have money, and then putting in place the basic principles of managing your money well. I believe it will help any child of God, any kingdom citizen, because God wants us to tap into all that he has for us. He wants us to to get everything on this side of the world, you know, this side of, of the, the dimension. He wants us to tap into all that he has for us so that we can glorify God through the things that he is doing in our life. We can walk in the abundant blessings God has for us here on earth while staying close to him. It doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be either serve God or serve money. You can, you can definitely, you should not serve, serve money and serve God, because the scripture does say that it's impossible to do both. But you can serve God with money. That's what I want to say. It is possible for you to serve God with money. Yes, it surely is possible for us to serve God with our money and make a, a big impact in the kingdom of God with the use of the money that God has blessed us with. And like you said, God wants us to tap into all he has for us. So how... Does improving our finances improve our ability to follow our God-given purpose, Charlene? <laughs> oh, that's a deep one. You see, money touches everything in our lives. We just don't realize that it does. And that includes our purpose. 
when you are stressed about money, when you are anxious about money, when you are worried about how you're going to be able to pay your bills, when you are worked up about the fact that you are earning so much money and you have nothing to show for it, it creates stress in your life. And financial stress, it can block you from pursuing your purpose. When you're stressed, you have no time to think about how you can impact the world or how you can make someone else's life better. You're all caught up about getting from one month to the other month. You are concerned about getting that next promotion so that you can get more money so that you could have a little flexibility in your life. So if you don't get rid of that financial stress, it can essentially block you from doing the thing that God has created you to do. The next thing is, if your finances aren't improved, you may actually know your purpose, but how you manage your money can prevent you from pursuing it because you are caught up with trying to make ends meet or trying to get to the next level in your career or trying to land that next client so that you can have that much more wiggle room in your finances. The third way I think that improving your finances can help you to follow your purpose is that it can actually give you the money to help you to finance your purpose. Some of us, we don't have persons in our lives who believe in what we have been called to do. So we have to fund our own purpose until others buy into it. So if you have the money to fund your own purpose, to fund that thing that God has created you to do, then you can go out knowing that you are actually doing the thing that you were placed on planet earth to do and you are honoring God. Mm, yes, I, I love how you put that. When we get rid of our fin- financial stress, we are able to pursue the things, pursue our purpose, pursue what God has for us. So somebody might be listening to this, Charlene, and they might be saying, well, I think that is what I need. I have tried to get a grasp on my finances in every way I know how, and and it's not working. I need to know how to to sort out my finances biblically. When is the right time to seek the help of a financial coach? If you find yourself setting the same money goals or financial goals year after year, you know, if you look back to 2015, 2016, or 2020, 2021, we're almost ending 2022 now, and you find yourself setting the same goals every single year, I'd say you need a coach. Because in in less than three months, a coach can help you to streamline your finances and get you on the right track. If you're also clueless about financial literacy, you know you want to do better with your money, but you have no clue, no idea as to what to do, then a financial coach can help you. If you're also struggling with budgeting and keeping your spending in check, a financial coach can get you streamlined and get you on the path to managing your money and spending your money in accordance with with your values and your principles. And finally, I'd say if you have recently undergone a major life change, then you might realize that that life change has had a serious impact on your finances. You can get the help of a money coach or a financial coach to help you. Some women, unfortunately, have gone through divorce, gone through the loss of a child, gone through the loss of a spouse. 
those are major life changes that can have a serious implication on your money. So having a money coach, having someone who can help you to avoid the pitfalls, having someone who you are accountable to can help you to get to the place where you can manage your money confidently on your own. That is, you know, such an, a great thing to think about that when you get to the point, which should be now for, for a lot of us, that we need the help of our financial coach, that we can have somebody that can help turn our life around at least in the next three months. And if you think about it, we're in November now, we're at the end of November when this episode comes out. We've got December and then a high spending month, may I add, we've got December. And then we have the new year. And I think it's very important that if you have the ability, if you you make the decision in your mind to connect with a financial coach, to connect with Charlene, now is the time to do that. You want to start off the new year with a plan, with, with a plan to make it a different year, not a new year's resolution that, you know, you have every year and you're going to, you know, save $100 a week. And by the time you get to June, you've only saved $100 all year. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about long lasting changes that will break generational curses of poverty over your life and set you up um, strategically for the for the rest of your life and for the generations to come from you at that point. Charlene, this has been an amazing episode. I have really enjoyed talking with you. Before I let you go, please tell us how we can connect with you on social media and how we can work with you. Sure. So you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm primarily active on Instagram though. And my handle there is Charlene Money Coach. You'll find me sharing loads of content about all that we've talked about, budgeting, spending wisely, saving, investing, and all from a biblical perspective. I have a free money guide. It You can find it at bit.ly forward slash money guide 22. That's money guide 22. And if you are interested in getting a 60 minute strategy session, you know, some women aren't ready to take the leap into long-term coaching, but I do offer a 60 minute one hour strategy session that can help you to, to start managing your money better. You can go to bit.ly slash work with CMC. And you can fill out the application form right there and I'll be in touch and we can get started. Thank you so much, Charlene. Purpose Chasers, as you know, everything Charlene has just said, I will put in the show notes so that you can find all her links. Please connect with her. Send her a DM on IG. Let her know that you heard her on the Pray, Plan, Slate podcast. Charlene, thanks again for being on the podcast. This has been great. Thank you so much, Shante. It was a deep and dear pleasure of mine. All right, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slave podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe. And also be sure to leave a comment, leave a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you liked from this episode, what you like from the show. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Pray Plan Slay Podcast, or you can follow me, your host, Shantae Sapphire, at Shantae Sapphire 